Motorcycles and Misfits coming to you live from the Recycle Garage in, this is a lie, sunny Santa Cruz, California. Usually sunny Santa Cruz. We always make such a big deal when it like gets a little bit misty out. We're like, wow, it's rainy. <laughs> and get no sympathy from the rest of the world. But you know what? It doesn't stop the garage from happening. And even though it was a bit misty and damp today, we still had the garage going and people still came. And that's something that I am proud of. And you know who the first person to show up in the garage today was? Me. I'm Liza. <laughs> that was a trick. That was a trick. But the second person to show up was Miss Emma. Hey, Emma. Aloha, darlings. Um, and... Um, here I am in Marina, California, just down the road, um, about 40 miles south of Santa Cruz. And it's equally dreary here, darling, but not in my heart. It's not dreary in my heart. My heart, as always, is a summer day filled with love for everyone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, surely he would have been here if he could it's Bagel. Greetings from Bucolic, Venita, Oregon, <laughs> 600 miles to your north, where I am happy to report I am fully vaxxed and 3 to 14. Ooh. I'm sorry, 4, four to 13. 4 to 13. Say. That's a pretty good number. Yes. Dennis yes. doesn't know what that means. It'll be explained no, in a like second right. because uh, coming up next with, is it 5 to 7? Five or six to seven. It's Douglas. Hi. Douglas, do you want uh, to explain uh, what that number means? It is the uh, the first number is how many bikes you have running. The second <laughs> number is how many bikes you own. Mm, uh, I like cur that. Currently about five to six out of seven right now. And I'm coming from Felton, about six miles north of Santa Cruz. And it is dreary here as well. It was sprinkling, but not nearly the amount of rain that was forecast. I thought the number was running to non-running. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Running to well, owned. Right. Owned. Running. Oh, well, running. oh, running. No, to not running. Oh, you running mean like to running to total? <laughs> running to total works fine. Hmm. It's okay. it's all the same. I think I am six to eight, but I'm just two carb cleans cleans away from being eight to eight. Yes. On which bikes? Uh, the the two oldest ones, the ones from the seventies that don't get ridden the, enough. The, the Yamaha. Yeah, and the then, XS750 and the KZ400. KZ, okay. Things you got to kickstart that are from the 70s, <laughs> basically. Well, next, next week, with your blessing, I'll, I'll, I'll work on that Yamaha. Yeah, bring yeah. it. All right, um, something to do. And also joining us from his cabin in the woods, it's Stumpy John. What's up, everybody? This is uh, Stumpy John from Boulder Creek, which is like 12 minutes or 12 miles north of, of uh, Santa Cruz, sort of a little bit past Douglas. So, and I am a three and a half over three and a half. Ooh, that is yeah. well running, what? but not legal. That's the half. That's the half. Three for four. <laughs> it's just running. Legal schmegal. Rain for you today in the creek of boulders. How's the what? The rain? The rain. Yes. Uh, it was raining pretty hard a few minutes ago. It kind of slowed down right now, but it's beautiful. Okay, I love the rain. We need the rain. 
Emma, no, go, ahead, go ahead and pull your mic a little bit closer. This is how we do volume. <laughs> Just put it in your There we go. I know. Okay, thank you. That's much better. Oh, my heck. Uh, and Emma, don't forget to turn on your lights, darling, so you don't end up. I'll in the do dark. that now while I remember. <laughs> well, I introduce yes. our guest with us. It's, you know, it's been a while since we've had a guest, yeah. so I thought it was uh, time to have someone on, and I'm excited about this one. Uh, joining us tonight is Dennis Santo Pietro. Oh, I said that so good. You're so good. <laughs> so good. And Dennis, you're the founder of Fix My Hog. Which that is true. This is pretty cool. So um, we've been promoting uh, Fix My Hog here. It's something that um, I thought really aligned with what we do well in that we're helping people learn how to right. work on their bikes. And, you know, I, I remember, uh, Jesus, Doug, even when like you started coming years ago, I would insist that people would go buy like a Hanes or Climber manual because uh, younger people wanted to try and just look stuff up on their phone and like get these PDFs on their phone. Mm-hmm. And it used to drive me nuts. Cause you gotta have that. You gotta have the manual, something you can get greasy that you can write in the margins. Like it has the bigger pictures. And then, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Doug, when Eason came and he's a real, he's a techie guy. Mm-hmm. And I insisted that he have a paper manual. So he, printed out all the pages on the PDF <laughs> and oh bungee corded it onto his bike and rode here, losing pages along the way. <laughs> Just cause he was like, so like, I'm not going to buy a manual. Well, when I, when I first got with that CB 400, I bought the, the climber manual and then I went to bike bandit and printed out every single schematic of the blown up schematic. There you go. So I had the yeah. whole pamphlet of bike bandit and that really helped having the blown up image. So, yeah. Oh, and joining yeah. us late from his man shed, it's Naked Jim. Hey, hey, hey. Sorry, I'm late. Hey. Sorry, I'm late. Hey. Public service announcement. Flip-flops are not OSHA-approved shopware. Oh, no. <laughs> Watch no. that toe. Watch that toe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm. Anyway, that's all I'll say. Sorry to join late, though, but uh, cool. You're all good. Thank you. Um, and, you know, there's been this whole thing where, like, I've, I've collected shop manuals here because I think it's very important. But then there was a point where I could start finding videos or, or things in forums that were more helpful. I remember I bought a tablet and then a computer just to have in the garage so we could look stuff up because that was becoming more common. So just in the, like, 12, 13 years, 14 years, we've been doing the garage. It's changed tremendously. And now... I don't even buy manuals from my bikes because I can find videos and 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 help through forums on how to do stuff. Or I just say, hey, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? The manuals uh, and in the videos and none of that teaches you. And the thing that's valuable here is when you strip that nut. Or, you know, like there's those, right. how do you get the thing into the thing? Or... Or having to like fabricate a tool or, you know, those little tricks about stick a block of wood here first, you know? Well, um, one, tri- one stripped oil plug, you know, will will set you back hundreds that you should have bought the manual or you should have bought that torque wrench. You know, the dollar figure on not having someone showing you or reading or watching something first, right? Just to not not learn on your own. And it's expensive to learn on your own. Well, you know, I think we saw that at the garage today, Liza, that young man was working on his, was it a Wiestrom mm-hmm. uh, he had, Wiestrom? 
And uh, it was a Forks day, right? Which is a big day. You're going to do right. Forks. And the hardest part of his day was getting a little fastener off like the front fender. Right, Emma? Right. And, I, and I've and i been there. Like the least thing you're worried about is this tiny little hex head fastener p- holding a piece of plastic on. But he was stuck on that. But watching Emma have at it with hacksaw and hammer. <laughs> but that was, that's valuable lessons. Getting old. You know, if you work on old bikes, the it tricks to getting stuff unstuck is a big deal. Exactly. It is and it isn't. What you've got to remember is I spent a lifetime working on flat rate. And yeah. when you work on flat rate, you got to hustle. Because if you don't hustle, you no, don't earn money. Right. Mm-hmm. And a stripped bolt can basically mean the difference between putting the food on the table today or going right. without those fabulous Manolo Blahnik heels that you want. <laughs> so you've got to hustle. You've got to hustle. And so the solutions that I come up with aren't necessarily the best ones, but they're the quickest because we need to get ourselves out of this hole and get on with the mission, with the job. In this case, it was the fork seals, Mm. but it was a good result. I mean, you know, it's bad when I'm reaching for the vice grips Mm -hmm. because that's my, that's the end of the line tool. So when everything else is exhausted, then we reach for the vice grips, and I reached for the vice grips today. Absolutely now, broke my heart. No, but, but you also reached for the hacksaw. Oh, I love hacksaws. Yeah, I know you do. And but a hammer. It was the it was the triple Lindy <laughs> hacksaw, vice grips, and a hammer to do seals. We're like, ooh. But yeah, Dennis, I want to hear more about um, how you came up with this idea, of fix my hog. But first, for anyone who doesn't know, can you please describe what fix my hog is? It, you know, basically fixmyhog.com, but it would be for the dot com world, really. Mm-hmm. It was it was DVDs. I found in, that on Amazon too. Starting in 2004, pre YouTube, mm-hmm. pre all that, um, for Harleys. I'm a, a Harley rider, um, but I'm not that smart. Um, so <laughs> everybody, and it, it, it all really started from a lie. Um, people said I was book smart. Oh, you went to high school. You did good. You went to college. You did good. And then I opened a manual and I couldn't read it. So I'm uh, not so smart. <laughs> um, so back, back in the day, there was VHS tapes. So uh, if there's any younger people watching or listening, um, there was this uh, tape that went around in a circle and you put it in this big thing and it showed on your TV. <laughs> um, so that, that, you know, I watched... I found all the VHS tapes that were out there. There was one guy, Bud, who was from Northern California somewhere. <laughs> Wife beater. Of course Budweiser, his name is Bud. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, but he did it. It was good, but it was on VHS, but it was just horrible quality. So I, was, I backed on. I was like, wait, it's DVD world. How, how do we put one of these on DVD? Make it so you can go chapter by chapter. So, you know, I talked to my buddy back East and we made our first DVD. So the answer to your question is, you know, how do you, we wanted to make a video showing how to service your Harley. And that's how it all started. Remortgaged the house, made that first video. And oh, wow. Here we are almost 20 years later. Yeah. And, and I found that one and it, it actually made sense. And it looked like it's still relevant today. I think the one is like six and a half hours of how to bolt on accessories. That's uh, number three, I think. Okay. So we started off with soft tail because we didn't know 
if we were going to exist, you know, past that, if the government was going to take my house or not. So we, we launched that one in the first month of when we launched it, it paid for itself. Wow. And so then we did the touring, right? So if, if yeah. you're Harley centric, you know, they sell more heart, more touring bikes than soft tails and then more than sportsters, right? So we're like, okay, now we'll do the touring one. And then we did the sports or maintenance. This is strictly following your manual. We always said buy your manual year specific because the torque could be different. The fluids could be different. Everything could be different year specific. And then we did the bolt-on videos, right? So then it was, mm-hmm. hey, what does everybody do? They rip off all this brand new shit. And I'm sorry. Um, they rip <laughs> off all this brand new stuff and they put on uh, aftermarket exhaust, aftermarket intake. And back then it was more rejetting your carbs and, and carburetors, but then EFI mapping. So that was the bolt-on series that mm-hmm. you're talking about. But that was all DVDs, you know, and thank goodness it worked. And we kept going and, you know, it's... it. The gist of it was, and, and really, I'm not kidding about being book smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in with with mechanics. My brother's a mechanic. The gentleman I started the company with, Bob LaRosa, he is a Harley mechanic, went to MMI and got his PhD at the Harley World, whatever thing. Yeah. You know, he had his own place. But they always, when I lived there, when I lived in Connecticut, they fixed my stuff that I broke, Right. Then I moved to LA and then some dude was fixing it, right? And it was more expensive. And I didn't know what, wow, that's a lot. And then I had an 84 FXR at the time and it wasn't, wasn't maintenance anymore. Now you need a chain. Now you need tires. And now this is leaking. Now this is broke. Now the fork seals are broken. Somebody's breaking out vice grips and, you know, it just gets, uh, gets out of control and they charge you for the vice grips extra, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, they do. They do. Um, I mean, but that's, the evolution of it was, hey, I should be able to do this myself if I have a little visual help. Right. Um, the manual is just so hard to me. Uh, well, uh, to, before you sell yourself short, the manual is harder than you think to a lot of people, Dennis. Right. Because my world is factory manuals. Right. And when... If, if I was to show you the factory manual yeah. for, say, a Yamaha yeah. FZ1 right. and the climber manual for a Yamaha FZ1, you'd think they're comp- two different com- animals. Sure. The verbiage is different. The, the way the manual is written is different. Right. The, te- the technical terms are different. The, the factory manual to a lot of people is complete gobbledygook, not right. just you. You right. need a certain level of training because before you can even begin to understand it. I mean, if you Absolutely. want to properly fix a bike, you really need two or three manuals, starting at the Haynes or the Climber right. and going up to the genuine one. So what you're doing is really bridging that gap. It's absolutely fantastic. Thank you. And even somebody like yourself, who's, who's clearly very intelligent, very familiar with reading, with writing, with expressing yourself, there are a lot of people out who even aren't to that standard and having a visual representation like video this is fantastic 
Absolutely. It's well, thank you. Yeah. Perfect. I think it's a wonderful resource. Yeah. Well, and it's worked. <laughs> but then, like you said, though, I mean, it's exactly that. The the Harley service, factory service manuals are written for a tech, a Harley yes. tech. Right. Exactly. Like you said. So, you know, we wanted to bridge that gap on, okay, here's what it's saying. But here's also somebody just like you that said, I turn flat rate every day. And I do this all day long. So that's who does our videos. We have pros that do it all day long, right? So they don't want to strip the bolt. They don't want to. Right. They they buy a, a wrench that turns just a little bit faster because they got to get it done faster. So that's the whole thing too, right. that we wanted to have pros in front of it showing, hey, don't do this because you'll screw it up or do this because it's a little bit faster and it's easier. Yeah. And, and, you know, bringing up that, that strip bolt, because obviously we've got the tools we have at Recycle Garage and then the tools I use at work. Right. Now, the Allen keys I have at work are, are basically $40 each. Right. Because if I use a cheap Allen key and it strips a bolt right. and I lose an hour, I'm 150 bucks exactly. down. Exactly. Right. Yep. So spending forty dollars on one Allen key, so basically I don't waste that hundred and fifty dollar is smart to me. Right. But to just an owner, eh, maybe not. So, you know, forty bucks for an Allen key is a lot of money. So mm -hmm. we search for alternatives and that's where the visuals come in. Right. Um Well and I'm <clears throat> I you know, I did some research on you, uh -oh. and a lot of oh, people God. may not realize. <laughs> How deep? How deep? <laughs> well, a lot of you deep. people may not realize that he had a first go at this that didn't succeed, because before that, he used to ride a Honda, and he thought, I'm mm. going to come up with a, a DVD on how to fix your Honda, and nobody bought it. Exactly. They don't break down. <laughs> well, I think, but, but everybody has to change their oil. Everybody has to maintain. Yes, everybody yeah. has to maintain. I think the thing I most admire about you and your technique, Dennis, when when you work on motorbikes, when you're involved with fixing motorbikes, there's there's two kinds of people involved. Right. And then the one kind of person is I've got all this knowledge. And I'm not going to share a fucking thing with you. True. And I'm going to charge you. And I've got a secret. You can't have my secret because right. my secret's valuable. Right. Person number one. And then the other kind of person, which you certainly fit into, and I like to see that I fit into, even though if everybody knew how to fix everything on their bike, I'd be out of work. Right. If you have knowledge, you share it. You share it. And the industry and the sport becomes stronger because we For share everybody. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's the, the text that we've been going off after. You know, we just did a, a video series. We we've mainly focused from evolution 84 forward. Mm -hmm. Right. So evolution a little bit, more twin cam because it's such a big year group. And now the M8. But we just did a, a, a small, we just shot it finally uh, last week on knuckleheads. And then mm -hmm. we'll do panheads. But it's finding that person that's willing to share. But it's also becoming a little bit of a lost art, right? Yeah. So right. where is that person that still knows a bit, that wants to share it, um, that you can capture this before it's literally gone? Because a lot of, I'm sure on other motorcycles, and I'm not 
hip to a lot of other motorcycles, but a lot is parts changing, right? Oh, this yes. doesn't work, so just change it. So we're trying to find the people that still fix shit, right? That still fix stuff and, and get it done, right? Every single one of my peers that I've worked with, that I trained under, that I have spent my career with has either retired right. or shuffled off their mortal coil and gone to motorbike heaven. Right. And the only reason that I'm still doing this, I mean, I'm, I'm 60, so I'm really very, very close to retirement myself. But when I was trained at 16, the guy who was training me was in his 40s. So, and he really just took me under his wing right. and taught me everything he knew that he'd learned in the 50s. Right. So I had this kind of weird sort of ancient knowledge that was instilled in me from, from a young age. But you're absolutely right. Mechanicking is a lost art. Right. And not everybody's willing to get their hands dirty. Once in a while's fine. But all day, every day, mm, not too sure about that one. Well, I'm curious in learning more about how extensive your library is. Because, I, I mean, if you're thinking how many different models of bikes you covered, how many different parts of that bike, I mean, what, what, how big is this library? How have you done I think this? We're, I think we're probably 800 videos over 125 hours of content. Oh. So we, we went, obviously went from DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2012, um, you know, this all goes credit to, to my wife as well, that, you know, she's an accountant. When I started the company, we bought a house, we got engaged, we had a baby. And I said, we, you sure you want to do this? And she said, yes. So we, we brought the DVD world as far as we could. And then all of a sudden DVDs were like useless, right? Yeah. So in 2012, the company TN Marketing um, approached me and, and said, Hey, we want to buy your company. Um, and the, and the, just behind that, it was either I remortgage the house again and, and build an online membership, which everybody's used to now, right? Mm-hmm. Netflix, Amazon, whatever the hell it is. Um, because DVDs were on such a decline. Um, so that was the, the next evolution to get this library that we had, um, onto a membership platform, which we are now on the website. We still sell DVDs. But the answer to your question is 800 plus videos, 120, 25 hours of content. But then how do you break it down, right? So we broke it down by maintenance. We did mm-hmm. the maintenance by by model group, touring, softtail, dyna, sportster. And then we did your basic upgrades, which was the bolt-on stuff you're talking about mm-hmm. before. Um, beyond basic maintenance when it's not, you know, you don't change your belt all the time. So that falls into beyond basic, right? So then we show people how to change their belt. So it's all model based, but that's also, we wouldn't be able to do every single model every single year. And it just goes back to the manual. You got to have the manual for your specs for everything. So it all turns back to that. But then, you know, we start, okay, what if we do a, a separate project on carburetors? So we do a full carburetor video series, handlebars. Everybody's switching out their handlebars. We have a whole 10 hours or more on handlebar swapping, mm. um, a whole frame swap, you mm. know, taking out a, a twin cam engine out of a bike. So we have all these subsection categories that are project specific. We did a 
you know, now everybody wants to buy a, a used bike and make it cool or make it. So we bought an old Sportster and we turned it into a cafe racer. Oh, cool. So that's a video product. So we have these subsections of multi-hour projects. And the thing is, is they're not easy bake oven, right? You're like, you're not, oh, hey, we're going to do this. And you pull it out of the oven. It's done. It's, it's step by step by step. And that's why they're so long. You're like 10 hours, a carburetor, really? But, you know, if you, if you do Harley stock and then you do S&S or something, you know, so there's slight differences, but there's plenty, plenty to do. And it seems to me like there's so much potential. There's so much you can do. Absolutely. I mean, where do you stop? I assume, are you looking at doing other brands? Well, it's, you know, where do you stop? So we just shot the knuckle, right? So mm-hmm. we're going to, so now we're going to, but that's a small year group, right? And that's a super focused enthusiast, right? So we do the knuckle, we do the pan, we do the shovel. So we're going to eventually cover all years of Harley. Um, but then it's also volume though. You know, so we haven't done Indian yet because yeah. they don't sell enough bikes where there's not enough people to to sell uh, a membership to. Um, like you said, Hondas don't break down, so that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, that's um, not entirely true. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, we could branch out to other brands, but, you know, we have this super focused niche that we've been focused on since 04. You know, we, we have, I don't know, 200 thousand people in our weekly newsletter we have you know we we spend a lot on advertising to get in front of people so we have this this group that we that we cater to and it it works for them and it works for us so far okay i'm gonna say this without trying to sound insulting but when it comes to it's it's hard it's hard not not to you um it's gonna be insulting i try not to but it seems to me that the Harley crowd is the best potential for people who um, need that extra help and guidance to work on their bikes. Because I know so many Harley owners who won't touch it. They don't even think of it. They'll take it to the shop. Oh, I, you know, I needed to change out my mirrors or, you know, something like that. I'm like, what? what? You know, or change they take no, it to the shop to change out their handlebars. And right. I'm always confused. And the shop rates is so expensive. But... On the one hand, you're paying that much for a bike. You're uncomfortable uh, doing the work. I get it because, you know, I've bought expensive bikes that I'm like, I don't want to touch it. Um, But I think that it's a lot easier than people think and they should be doing. And that's the thing we stress at the garage. You should know more about your bike. You should be the one responsible. Absolutely. Exactly. The the sad reality is if you know how to change the oil on your bike and are willing to do it, right. and you know how to check the tire pressures on your bike and actually do it weekly, Liza, mm. you're 90% ahead of most people on the road. And safer by far. By far. The simple act right. of at my shop, I've got little pen tire gauge, gauges. Yeah. I give them out to people. Yeah. As a gift. Here's a <clears throat> gift for visiting me today. It's the number one abuse thing that we see is right. just not having them. And that's but, a that's a daily rider thing. When you when you go right. out, uh oh, uh oh, there's hands up. I'm 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 being quiet now. I Emma. Thirty. No, no, no. But it was, <laughs> 30, I, 33, 31, <laughs> You're welcome. 
Yeah, there Ooh. you go. Ooh. Um, Ooh. On the Africa Twin, I checked Liza, it today. I want to say Coincidentally, my high, IQ. I was going to say, Liza has those high-quality bang-bong products that you screw onto your valve stem that Bluetooths the pressure to your phone. I do. Yeah, and let your tires down overnight. <laughs> I mean, right. dear, I remember the one. time it went from like 33 to 2 <laughs> in about a second. <laughs> but, you know, but the point is thus, is just the simple act of changing right. the oil. It's very easy. And, you know, there is, you actually kind of summed it up, Liza. There is this kind of um, almost like fear. Mm -hmm. I've just dropped 30 large on a Harley SVO. I'm scared to even touch it. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, even now, after 43 years of doing this, occasionally I'll get a bike on my bench and I'll just crap my pants because it's so valuable. Like the Eagle Eye, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a, I've got a $125,000 motorcycle on my ramp right now, Dennis. It's scaring oh. me to death. I'm wincing already. Yeah. And I've, I've been having a, a conversation with a charming French gentleman <laughs> Who's who's going to supply me parts to actually repair it? Because he's the only one in the world who's got any. Right. right. You know, and you know what he wants for them? What the hell he can get. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, you know, but, you know, going back to what what you mentioned about the people that don't want to touch it, that's Mm -hmm. probably about 30% of our business is that they're willing to pay $110 an hour or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But there's that percentage of our members that just want to know what they're paying mm-hmm. for. And they get to see right. it through our videos because they're not, there's not a window at the, at the dealer, the cookie shop, right? You can't watch the baker bake. Right. They don't want you to. So, you know, a lot of people just want to say, okay, this went in for a $600 oil change. What exactly did they do? Oh, okay. This is, you know, and also to get it back in, and understand that if it was done correctly and what you should look mm-hmm. for, if it wasn't, you know, it's it just, that's probably about 30% of our business right, right there. Yeah. And clarity is everything. You know, when I, when I set up my own shop and, and it's very exciting time for me because I'm just in the process of opening my first very own shop. Nice. But the way, thank you. The way I've set it up, and it's quite deliberate, there is no wall between where I work on your bike and you actually walk up. It's oh, an wow. entire open, you walk up to the counter right. and you can't go any further because the insurance won't let me let you back there. Right. But the counter's waist height. And you can sit at the counter and watch me lay my hands on your bike. Right. And it's quite deliberate. That's if you awesome. want to, if you want yeah. to drop it off and go and hang out in Monterey at the aquarium, you can do that too. Right. However, well, if Emma rolls your bike into the bathroom and yes. pulls the air filter out, <clears throat> beware. I have, well, no. And I mean, Dennis won't know this, but no. they, Liza will come up with this lie that in the past, I have peed in somebody's airbox and said, you've got a rodent problem. This bike is only worth $300, and I'm doing you a favor by giving you that. And it's all complete lies. It was actually $200. But um, clarity is 
absolutely everything. It's all distills down to the same thing. Your way of thinking, my way of thinking. It's sharing this knowledge. It's 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 being very open with what you know and what you're prepared to do. I think right. I think what you're doing is the most marvelous thing. So, I'm sorry, but dead on with that. I mean, so Harley Davidson thrives on the aftermarket world, right? Yes. Um, who makes their product better, faster, right? Um, if it's a transmission company like Baker or somebody else, that because aftermarket companies move faster, right? Mm-hmm. They're more nimble and they could fix right. them. Not the crap, the things that are not quite right with a production bike. So Harley does enjoy that, but it also makes the enthusiast ride more. You ride more, there's more wear on your bike, there's more consumables, you're going to buy another t-shirt, whatever it is. Right. It's, it's part of the enthusiast world to enjoy it more. And in wrenching, to me, has always brought out a little bit more pride of ownership yes. and a little bit more enjoyment of the game. And if, if you're going more than a couple hundred miles and you, that 10 millimeter wrench is always in my pocket because it's probably just the battery cable, you know, whatever that is just to keep you riding and and enjoying it, you know, Mm -hmm. but you got to know that you got to, and when people learn that they keep going and they keep buying and they buy that next model or they enjoy it so much, they sell it after a year and buy a brand new one at 30k or 125,000 or whatever it is because they're into it they love it you know yeah so So, i've got some questions for you um (laughs) you know we help people fix bikes in the garage but i always say we don't teach uh repair or maintenance so much as we teach tools and how to use them and how to choose the right tool so i'm wondering in your videos how much of that comes in about how to you know, get in a, a stuck bolt out or how yeah. to tell which type of wrench or screwdriver to use, that kind of stuff. So I have been called a tool before and not the <laughs> best one, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, that it's, it's instrumental, right? So, um, you know, you use a wobble head here because if you try and jam it in, you'll break something, you know, so it is, that's the biggest part of it is the right tools Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if you're not a mechanic, if you're not spinning wrenches every day and you're not buying whatever brand, the best, right, you could still buy the next one down and not go to Harbor Freight and be mad when you break something. So it's 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 tool education. The right tool for the right job makes the job go faster, safer, and you don't break stuff. When you break stuff, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, it's, it's expensive and the cost to fix a strip drain plug or a spark plug, you got to redo the head, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, is expensive when you don't use the right tool. Torque wrenches is huge, right? The, you know, if you're a novice and you think you're just going to knock it down and I'm going to give it one more and that one more just blows the whole thing. And now you're out a couple hundred bucks because you didn't buy a good $50, $60 torque, <laughs> wrench, you know, so that's a big part of it. A couple well, hundred as bucks. A knowledge, it, it, it's <laughs> expensive. Well, speaking as a, as a novice, right? Where yeah. it's expensive is in the emotional toll. Yeah. You, you pay heavy when you're like, I'm going to do an oil change. And you change the, you know, you do the oil, you take the filter out, you're putting the cover for the oil filter back on right. and you snap a bolt. Yep. You're like it was a half an hour in oil change. Now I don't know what I'm going to do. So yeah, totally. Right. And you get discouraged though too, right? And then you're like, I don't don't want to do it anymore. This sucks. I can't believe this. Right. You're waiting 10 days for a part. 
right. you're not writing. Right. And do you, um, how much do you help like diagnosing problems? Cause that's a whole nother thing. How does somebody know how to, you know, how to diagnose? Right. Well, tr- troubleshooting on a Harley is, is relatively easy depending on where you get into year groups. Right. Mm-hmm. But in the manual, there's such a, there's such a good troubleshooting area. And we go through a lot of that. Um, now with, uh, diagnostics, you know, you can read your trouble codes. That's going to point you into a certain direction. Um, that alone to do your own troubleshooting is what is 105 bucks, right? Had to bring right. it into the, not even time to get it to somebody to look at it. That's a buck oh five right there. If you know what you're doing and you didn't change out the whatever sensor and that was a $200 sensor and that wasn't it because you didn't diagnose it correctly. So a lot of it is, is troubleshooting. Uh, so, and we do teach that as well. And so right. as a Harley person, uh, how do you feel about the live wire and the Pan America? Awesome. And you know, where, where does everything go? It's got to go forward. We're going backwards in some of the videos we're doing now. We just mm-hmm. told you guys we're doing mm-hmm. the knucklehead videos and the pans. We'll cover them all. Live wire is going to be a little tough for us because it's a battery and a belt. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's going to be some maintenance, but, you know, and I don't know what, what does the bolt on world of that look like? Not much, but yeah, the Pan American looks cool. Um, there's a lot of stuff that people are going to rip off and put on on that. And anytime they, they change their the, the engine and the format, um, and if, they, if it catches enough motion, it's good for us, right? If there's enough asses in the seat, um, right. that's a good demographic for us, and we'll do it. I mean, if we know that, and it's good that they're a public-traded company because we know, okay, on the line item, it says they're going to make 100,000 Pan Americans this year, and every year for the next, we'll do a video because we know that people are into it um, and, the, and it'll, it'll make sense. So I, I do like them that they're moving forward and, you know, it's a glad they're not a t-shirt company that makes motorcycles, mm-hmm. um, right. um, you know, and they're, they're, they're keeping it real to a point. I, I haven't ridden any of the newer stuff, but I'd like to, it looks, it looks cool. It sounds cool. You know? Yeah, some but, of, some of us are going to go ride the Pan American a couple um, oh cool couple weeks, and I'm awesome. curious about um, it. And yeah. I'm I'm kind of on the fence about what's going to happen with the accessories for the live wire. I think it's going to be as customized as any other Harley, yeah. but in a very different way because the demographic of who buys it is going to be different. Sure, but I think if Harley shrewd, which I believe they are. <laughs> I've seen them capable of exactly the opposite, but I've seen them capable of very, very shrewd moves in right. in the past few years. They will offer a range of very, very high tech accessories. Sure. And you know, I um, I drove up to the Bay Area yesterday chasing parts for a for a motorcycle, and I'm um, I was trucking along in the number two lane doing about ninety, which I usually do. And this um, Tesla allegedly, just, allegedly, allegedly, just came howling past me, and it was a Tesla that had been slammed. It had got rims on it. Right, it had right. got all, and it looked bitching. Sure, it would. It yeah. was done very, very tastefully. Right. He'd taken a couple of inch out, inches out of it. He'd got really nice bronze offset wheels on it. It looked amazing. So 
kind of techy electric vehicles that are right. initially can you think of as being a little bit stodgy, they can be fun and customizable. And I yeah. see the same fate for the live wire. I think it is going to be customized and extensively, but not necessarily in the ways that we're used to dealing with the infernal combustion engine. Sure. Sure. Well, and, you know, I'm sorry. And, and like you said, you know, I don't know if, if, if most uh, Harley riders are going to try and uh, lose a couple inches. They're going to try and gain a couple inches. I'm sure. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I hope so. And I hope, but it, I, I don't, I've not laid my hands on a live wire to know that it's going to be more than a fairing or what, how do you increase performance, right? Is it a bigger battery? Uh-huh. Or what, what can you monkey with yourself to make it go a little bit faster? We know secrets. There you go. I like that. You know, yes. just gonna we know, we know people who can do things. <laughs> That's right. Well, my my side covers. Mm-hmm. Yes. My <laughs> favorite. Yes. Rake it out. All these things. Um, <laughs> My favorite part of the dealer kit, and I don't know what, I'm sure Dennis has heard this. Um, my favorite part of the dealer kit. So if you want to sell live wires, it's a choice. They say, well, do you want to sell live wires? And you say, yes. And so they provide you with this whole kit. It's almost like an annex for your dealership. Right. But my favorite part of that kit is the boat hook. And they give yep. you this 15-foot-long fiberglass <laughs> boat hook. Right. So if this the is tech true. is being electrocuted, you can pull him <laughs> off the bike with this boat hook. I think it's absolutely marvelous. <laughs> Get the boat hook! Fred's being burnt to a crisp. I absolutely love it. Throw him a rubber tire. Exactly. Help him! Help him! He's dying. Put your, put your Wellington boots on and <laughs> well, Dennis, I think this is as perfect opportunity as any. When we have guests like uh, yourself who are very um, knowledgeable and successful, I like to give them some unsolicited advice. Oh, Ooh, good. Oh. Yes. Well, let me get my pen. Right. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, and, and not having seen all of your videos, but I'm just going <laughs> to take a wild guess here. Uh, are you aware of the fastest growing segment of new riders? Oh, women and Latinos? Yes, women. And also, I just find in general that women need a little bit more confidence in wrenching and a little more um, instruction. And I'm wondering if if you are catering to that yet. And if you have women mechanics who are uh, giving some doing some of these videos. We haven't yet, and uh-huh. we've, reached, we've reached out to a few, mm-hmm. and hopefully that's going to happen. But the, the cool part about ladies is um, learn faster and not afraid, especially yeah. with wrenching. Yes. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, so we started this company in 04, and we used to go to Hollister every year, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you, so, know, you know, we're, we're right near there. <laughs> right. So Hollister, and I'm down yeah. in San Diego, but we used to go uh, Hollister, mm-hmm. and you have the you know, every machismo black shirt in the world, right? Walking down. Um, so the first year we went, um, everybody walked by and say, no, I don't need that. I wrench on my own bike. Oh, what are you? That's stupid, yeah. right? And then my wife, the next year said, honey, let's make a banner that says, hey, you in the black shirt, stop here. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 got, and three guys would walk by, but one guy would come back and say, oh, can I get that DVD? You know, so 
the guys for Harley riders, what we've noticed over the years, especially at rallies when we were selling DVDs, or there's this you don't want to admit that you don't know kind of thing. But back to the ladies, ladies will jump right in, they learn faster. Um, it, it's a, I'm glad it's a growing segment, and I think we will eventually have a, a lady tech. Yes, I was at the Hollister 2004 and got a tattoo Ooh, there, and I'm like, I wonder if I talked to you. No. I was wearing a blue shirt. That's ah, why. damn it. Well, I, I, I would have noticed you. You would have stood out in the crowd. Uh, well, actually, funny story is I was on my custom chopper that I had built. Uh, you know, it was a panhead, a Santee uh, frame, Chica frame, and a Springer front end six over, beautifully painted. And I don't dress the part. Right. And when I was going to like, get on my bike and there were some people like taking pictures and I'm like, wow, that's a nice bike. And I was like, thanks. And they looked at me and went, yeah, right. You know, in my like, you know, sneakers and my, you right. know, I, I never dressed the Good part. Right, yeah. Right. I, I always like not looking like the chopper rider on a really badass chopper. Right. But, um, I was just going to suggest, you know, mm. if you do need a female mechanic who does some videos, you know, that people are fascinated to anyone with it. British accent. Yes. Yes. Pay that is more true. attention. Well, no, wrong, it, no, it, make, it makes me sound far more intelligent than I actually am. <laughs> I mean, I authority. He must know what he's talking about. See, she's even got her own sticker. <laughs> I was, no, I'm, I'm, nice. I was actually, I, I was going to send you, Liza. Oh, here we are. Um, I'm sending you a picture, which you can share on the screen, of um, you actually on your custom chopper. Ooh! Oh. And I've just said, yeah. Not, and I've just, I'm not I've just sent it by oh, via no. messenger, and I think Liza should share it on the screen right now. Uh, oh my goodness! I'm not set up <clears> for sure. Anybody else? Oh no, you can do, oh. you can do this, Liza. Oh, oh yeah. Nobody okay. else here has had the pleasure of actually hearing this bike, though. Uh, Is this picture well, safe actually, for work? You're actually going to see Liza uh, right now. No, it's fine. It's fine. Riding her custom-framed Santee yeah. mm -hmm. chopper. Um, are you are you able to share I, this? <laughs> yeah. Well, not on. Well, I'll just hold it up to the camera. There we go. Ooh, look at that! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> Every candy in the world of Oz. Nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, she's not, very this, proud of that You're not that talking one. about the chopper that you sold, right, Liza? The, the blue yeah, one? Yeah, the blue one. Oh, this is going to be some Santee chopper frame yeah. people very mad no, at no. you. No. Um, but yeah, if you are looking for some female mechanic, I do highly recommend Emma. She's very good on screen. Um, but that's the airbox. Um, yeah, no, please <laughs> don't let her near your airbox. The airbox. Just don't pee in my lunchbox. I mean, airbox. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, it's, 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 they say actually full of nutrition, um, but nevertheless, education, um, when I get a little more established, because as you can imagine, I've been writing some fairly big checks lately. Sure. Um, education is, is really a key of how I want to carry on awesome. with my shop. Um, but I think we should talk. Absolutely, um, yes. And whether we can set up something here or actually send a camera crew up to Monterey. and We, do, we, we, we would we probably come to you, yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
And funnily enough, you know, you were talking about the aftermarket stuff. I went through a phase of putting um, the SNS gear drives on twin cams. I did Absolutely. a lot of them. And yeah, they all kind of came in together. You know, yeah. all these twin cams had come in just making this god awful noise. Well, they were blown up because of the bad ones from what, right. 99 to 06. That's a and, lot of bad ones. And, you know, it's, it's when they come in making that bloody awful noise yeah. and you say, yes, it's going to cost this to fix. But if you want to put a gear drive in it, yes, it appears to be eye-wateringly expensive. It's so much better. Right. That's the end of that. And you're going to get a nice little wine off it right. as well. Right. And it was quite an easy sell, actually, but to the people who are the long-term owners. Right. These were the guys who've had their bikes for 10 years and are going to have them for another 20. Right. And spending right. however many, I can't even remember how many thousand it was. I think we were doing the, the gear drive. The cost was like, give or take 2,000. Sure. Exactly. And then we just, put about just, for the, just for the kit. Yeah, the, just for the kit. Yeah. But it's an absolutely gorgeous thing. Yeah, Everything's like blue anodized. Right. As long as they're in spec, that's a great service item. But then, you know, in in back to troubleshooting, right? Yeah. So, it, and we tell people, so you, you want to buy a used motorcycle and here's this 2002 Dyna or Softail or whatever it is, that year group. You know, you have to be aware of that major ticking time bomb, you know, that's in those, the, the twin cam chain tensioners. Yes. Um, so, you know, uh, but all somebody has to do is take off the cam cover and you could see the front one. You could do a, a dental mare and you could see the back one. But, hey, man, I just got this bike for three grand. What a, what a deal. And then it's, it's ready to blow or it's actually yeah. junk already. So that's a big part of troubleshooting or showing we, we, we have buyer's guide, we, you know, just showing, telling people, Hey, for these year groups, you have to understand that. And then the fix is a $2,000 kit. And if you don't want to do it yourself, it's a hundred bucks an hour for somebody to do it for you. Right. But if you could so build that into the price, it, it could be worth it. Right. Funnily enough, the, the second love of my life, well, I've actually got motorcycles, cats, <laughs> and jaguars. And jaguar, right around the same time as Harley, had a terrible problem with the cam chain tensioners. Oh. Yeah, and it did exactly the same as twin cam. It wasn't the chains themselves. It was the tensioners. It was the tensioner, breaking, right. It was breaking up. And it's a $1,000 fix. You can right. slice it and dice it any way you want. But the kit and the fitting was a thousand bucks. You pull the radiator, you pull the front of, front off the engine, you put the cam chains in, you put the tensioners in. If you do it yourself, it's like four hundred bucks. If right. you pay a tech, it's like a thousand. Yeah, but if you don't, it's a it's a useless car. But the thing is, you, you 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 well, it, you you'd factor that in to the right. cost of the Absolutely. car. Correct. You'd say, okay, here's this two thousand and one. XJ8, and you call up, hello, 2001, have you had it from you? Yes. Have you had the chains done yet? No. What's that? Right. So, you know, now you're going to spend a thousand bucks on it. Right, right. Before I, you do anything. I thought those cars just caught on fire because of electrical <laughs> issues. They can. They can. <laughs> no, it's part of the excitement of owning one, darling. <laughs> you just don't know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you 
<laughs> my old Jag, my old 1970s Jag, I actually relabeled the air conditioning adventure time. Because <laughs> when you press <laughs> the air conditioning button, it was adventure time. You never knew what was going to happen. And the worst, the worst thing, I had a gentleman sitting next to me who I really wanted to impress. And I said, you know, this is a luxury car. You know, it's got air conditioning and everything. And I pressed the air conditioner and these blue sparks flew out of the air conditioning vent. Um, so that was the end of that, really. Um, or you push on the air conditioning. That's super cold. Look at the smoke coming out. Yeah, look at the smoke. <laughs> that must be freezing. Exactly. <laughs> so Holly weren't the only ones with with cam chain problems. Right. Absolutely. All right, Dennis, I got another question for you. Uh-oh. For um, Harley riders who maybe are not ones to common to to do their own maintenance, but mm. want to get into it. What are three tasks that you would say are easier than they thought they would be. What are three tasks on a Harley that you would say, really, you can do this on your own? Well, and that's, I mean, the easiest is the $600 fluid change. So that's Mm -hmm. your oil primary transmission on most bikes. Um, That alone is going to save you a decent amount of money, time going back and forth to the dealer. It's a great, you know, saver of engine and, and you're supposed to do it before you storage or after storage. Um, so if you're doing that alone, that's, that's going to save you what 400 bucks a year. Right. So just that, but then an air cleaner, if you put in an aftermarket cleanable Mm -hmm. air intake cleaner, a filter, um, and you clean it every year, depending on your riding conditions, that's huge. Um, I know you don't like tire pressures, but tire pressures, um, that is, you know, it's, is is because when you only got that rubber on the road, right? You have those two touch points. Um, that's huge, but also I don't know. Harley's have these weird, weird patterns depending on the year, and you know. And then a lot of people don't ride all the time, and uh, the tires get a little weird. So tires, you can do your own fluids. Mm-hmm. You can do your air intake. Um, so really, the the list of basics is is basic if if you. If you give it a try and like so many people that detail their bike, they wash their bike, they check it and make sure it's you know not dinged or dented to do that little bit of service um, is it, huge. And it once again, it goes back to enjoying your motorcycle more, um, a sense of pride in doing it yourself. And, and they're easy, you know, yeah. if you watch it being done, which we can provide, um, we are any, you know, I don't want to ever say that. You know, maybe in 04 we were the only company that had it on DVD. But before YouTube and all that, we definitely were, right? But yeah. now you can do I I don't fix my toilet without going on YouTube. Yeah. I don't do anything, you know, what I just redid the stairs in my house and I watch 400 YouTube videos. So it's building your resource base, the right tools, your manual, climber or other. If you can get the factory service manual, great. But Haynes or Climber, um, the right tools, and and just build that resource base so you have it at your fingertips. No matter if it's us or whatever, however you do it, um, that's huge. Um, those are the easiest things to do. Yeah. So, like Emma, uh, like you said, a fluid change. Uh, yes. How much would you charge somebody to bring in their Harley for like their yearly 
fluid change, uh, belt tension, that kind of stuff. Well, no, Dennis is absolutely right. I mean, it's for five hundred. It's five to six hundred dollars okay. because it it you don't just change your oil and get them out. Right. There's a checkpoint you, list. There's many. There's checkpoints. a checkpoint, right. and you right. and you start at the front and work your way back. And I'll talk through it right now because it it's it's very quick to start. What I tend to do is I'll start at the top. The bike is on my ramp and I haven't jacked it up yet. So I'm working high on the bike. And that basically means the front brake fluid gets chained, checked, maybe flushed, and the clutch perch and exposed bit of the cable gets lubed. That's it. Now the bike goes up. And now I'm checking steering head bearings, fork seals, wheel bearings, tire pressures, brake pads, working back, you do the three of the oil change, and just laying your hands on things like gear shifters, footrests, shit that can fall off. And shit falls off on Harley's. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. And just working your way back and making sure everything's tight. Right. To do it properly, to do it properly, it's a couple of hours. It's to the time. do it properly and thoroughly. Right. Right. And it's about 200 bucks in parts because I only use the best quality oil. Right. So I'm going to use a genuine filter. I'm going to use the best quality oil, all the best quality lubes, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's like 300, 300 odd bucks um, in labor, a couple hundred bucks in parts. Boom, they're down the road. Um, but it's there's nothing that is so difficult right. that just the average person can do it. Especially the you, checking point. That's the hugest thing. You've got to just yeah. check, check, check. Yeah. Um, two things. One thing, big up for Harley Davidson. The thing I like the most about big Harleys is – and they're very cleverly designed. They're flat underneath. <laughs> and so if yeah. you need to get the back wheel off one, you can slide a flat stand and jack them up. Right. Big plus. I will never forgive. I will never fucking forgive Harley Davidson for dropping my favorite bike, which was the Superglide. Mm. And I will never understand why they dropped the Superglide. Right. I will never forgive you, Harley Davidson. Never, 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 never. Oh, never. simmer Oops. down now. The Super Glide is a wonderful machine. So, and I just want to add, I think um, one of the tasks that's easier than people think, replacing your clutch. Oh, absolutely, yes. That is something that people think is a major thing, that it's not that hard when you have... And that is exactly the type of thing where you want to have something that's telling you now you got to remove this clip and now you got to do oh, this my. or use this tool here. And this is a reverse thread, so don't go animal and the exactly. wrong way and break it. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. And, depending on the year, because some are reverse and some are normal thread on the clutch nut. Exactly that. I mean, because mm -hmm. if you love your bike and you're putting miles on it, the clutch plates are going to go, and it is relatively easy to do. If you watch it and have the proper resources. So Douglas, we were just saying all these things that uh, you can do on there and, and, and save, save money. How much do you think a yearly premium membership is to fix my hug? Uh, what, what do you think that's worth? Do I think that's worth? Yeah. Well, I'll just be pulling a number out of my ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
for a year. Uh, can you can you wash it off? Let me ask you this. Let me ask no, this you is this. Doug's best work. Uh, Dennis, <laughs> yes, do you, you charge an annual membership or can you do a monthly as well? You can do monthly the best the best bang for the best buck. Bet. Okay, I'm gonna guess yeah. 300 a year. All right, that's a pretty good guess. All right. I would like you to be our new marketing manager. <laughs> Dennis, you want to say how much it costs for a yearly membership? You know, so when I started the videos, I priced the videos at 30, the DVDs mm-hmm. back in 04 at $39.99. Why? Because at the time, an hour labor rate was 80. I always wanted to be about half the mm-hmm. labor rate, right? Um, so I think a yearly membership um is around 69 bucks now maybe 70 but we have all these deals and the advertisement we do with you guys there's a deal to to do it but i mean it's 105 for somebody to tell you what's wrong with your bike so 70 you're already there it's yeah now doug would you be impressed if i told you that if you go to go.fixmyhog.com slash misfits that you could get a yearly membership for three dollars. What? That's that insane. Nice. That is insane. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get paid. Oh, Guinness. I'm like, are you sure this isn't a typo? <laughs> There's no more paycheck for me. <laughs> no, that's it's it's complete madness. Three dollars madness. And I no, just want I just want to repeat yes. that for anyone. It's go dot dot com slash misfits. And if you go there, type that in, you can sign up, get a membership for $3. And uh, I, I'll tell you the yeah. reason, though. Sorry to cut you up. The yeah. reason we do that is to is if somebody <clears throat> signs up for the year for 3 bucks, we just want to introduce people to it, right? We're, yeah. I'm, I'm, we're lucky enough to be able to basically eat the one year, right? But if somebody that appreciates, like Douglas just said, oh, this is worth 3 hunch, and I just got it for 3 bucks. So the seventy the next year is, is no brainer. And that's the enthusiast that we're after. We're not after the person that's just like, oh, I want this for three bucks for the rest of my life because, you know, it doesn't make sense. You know, it, um, but we, we are confident enough and the model has worked for us that it's a great introductory price. And people that really are into it uh, stay with us for years. We have members that have been online. We started our online membership in 2012. And we have people that have been with us since then, every that's, year. That's cool. Thank you. It, it must be working for them, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think what you're doing is great. Um, and as much as I want to say, you need this for Honda and Kawasaki and all the things, I'm like, um, other than doing like some special, like on the KLR650, here's how you change the doohickey. Like there's not a lot to do or a lot of it would be universal how to change out your bars or how to lube your cables basic basic Mm -hmm. it it transfers across Mm -hmm. all things absolutely Absolutely. and 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 maintenance is the key and but it's then it's the demographic number right how many how many bikes are out there is somebody growling? Is that and there's a cat purring in a Douglas's <laughs> oh, that's, microphone. That's my cat. Can you guys hear that? <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yeah, that was awesome. I, this is bacon pancakes. I thought I had a sandwich before I came on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to thank you also for coming on and sharing sure. the story. Um, I can only imagine that, like, if if your job is to sit there and think of more videos and more bikes, like, there's so much potential. Like the job never ends. 
Well, yeah, I think there always will be work for us and that, and that's a good thing. And it just depends on, on the enthusiast and like everything else, you know, and we started in 04 and then we lost our shirt to a point in 08 when, you know, it just, where's the bikes and who's yeah. riding and we follow that wave as well. And what you guys do with your co-op garage and we're working, you had Steve Noble on a mm-hmm. couple, a uh, couple weeks ago. He's working with us now yeah. with Skidmark Garage. Yeah. I, Yep. We used to have one in San Diego and and I think it's gone now, but that is the best thing in the world um, to, to have for people, to have that resource to go in and be able to put the bike up on a lift and, and do it yourself if you think, if you can, yeah. right? But hey, I don't have a lift or I don't have this tool or I don't have that. Let me go to the co-op. I'll get it done. Or while right. you're there to have all you guys as resources or whoever's there to say, Hey, this does need the vice grip at this point. This does need the hacksaw because otherwise it's going to take you three more hours and you're going to get really pissed and you're not going to want to do it again. Like, right. yeah. you know, then you're going to get discouraged. When in doubt, get a bigger hammer. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. And so all the bike shops and the bike mechanics out there who are like, oh, you guys are putting us out of business and, you know, only a qualified mechanic should be working on a bike. Guess what, guys? Fuck every one of you. There's room for everyone in this big soap mm-hmm. opera of motorcycling. And Absolutely. the more we share and the more that we bring one another into everything, the stronger we are as a whole. I haven't lost a single customer by explaining what I do and showing what I do and sharing what I know. And I've probably gained a hundred. Because you share that trust, you share your knowledge and people are so respectful of that, but also know, okay, I'm going to do my fluids now, but I'm going to bring it to you for the tougher stuff that I still don't want to do. Or when, oh, I, that screw, reminds or me. when I screw up. Thank you. I've got to go for a colonoscopy, a colonoscopy this week, talking about my fluids. Wait, do you oh, have a video for that? <laughs> we do have a couple snake videos. <laughs> Extra points Does it come for making racing car noises. <laughs> oh, you'll be making racing car noises, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, I'll that's, that's, that's the wrong pipe. <laughs> you might be running a little rich for a couple of um, days. <laughs> But no, um, Dennis, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for doing what you do. I think it's absolutely marvelous. Um, My only disappointment, of course, is you told us how great your wife is and we didn't have an opportunity to meet her. So So, um, my lovely lady uh, has is having a milestone birthday. Um, I won't say whichever because there would be uh, consequences. Um, so 18? She just turned 18? Is that fin- oh. Finally. Now I could get rid of the cops patrolling there. <laughs> uh, but uh, so what we've been doing with this, this bug thing that's been going around, we're doing all these mini parties. Uh, so she has a week long of parties. And I, you're lucky I'm not half in the bag right now because we had a little event last night and an event today and, Many events, uh, so she's she's finishing out the 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 event right now. And um, wow. but with, with without her though, uh, none of this would happen because not many people would say house, kid, marriage, start a new company. Right. I worked I worked in the GIS mapping world before, right? I had like 
a decent job and it all was good. And, and, you know, kudos to my wife, Simona Santipetro. Um, happy birthday, honey, because without you, 20 Cheers. years of Fix My Hog wouldn't happen. Salud. And I have one last Salud. question for you, and it's one that we ask all of our guests that I haven't prepared oh, you for. Oh, oh my God. Two, one, two, one, three? Two, one, three, is that the right number? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will tell you that bit. this is an inappropriate question. I'll, we'll we'll oh, prepare wow. you for that. <clears throat> but um, as somebody who has uh, gained a lot of knowledge of mm. motorcycles and and we know that you're specifically harley mostly mm. so i'm curious to know the no, answer to this i i have a vespa as well oh yes. okay you just won bagel's heart uh-huh. i saw um, them back there um here's a question and th- we ask all of our guesses uh, i'm going to ask you the question then i'll explain it so mm. the question is what is your up the butt bike okay <laughs> <laughs> and an up the butt yeah. bike is a bike that you look at and you go i take it up the butt for that like everybody's got that bike i'll show you mine is right behind me it is a harley davidson it is the vr 1000 oh there you go race bike that to me yeah, that yeah. is an up the butt bike oh i would take it up the butt for that but worthy that is a butt worthy <laughs> bike uh yeah. sorry about the term but it's just something that like it's like there's a there everybody has a bike you put up here like sure I'm curious. Or up here. I'm curious. What is your up the butt bike? So um, similar to what you were talking about before, there's a 48 pan head that, mm. uh, that uh, is in my immediate grasp that uh, would be my uh, up the butt bike. Nice. Uh, it is it's just such a, and it's, it's fully stock. It's beautiful. That's the it's rarest. Got all, yeah, it's got all the right yeah. parts. It hasn't been bastardized. It hasn't been chopped. It's 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 uh it's pretty sweet. And I think that's the that's the one for me. That is that right. is a butt worthy bike. I agree. That is a butt worthy bike. I think he's getting a tear in his eye. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see it? I think I see it. A tear coming oh out my there. god! I don't. I, I don't it's know. A, it's dusty over here. I thought he was clenching. That's what I thought was happening. <laughs> 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 Well, Dennis, again, I want to thank you for coming on. We're going to let you go because, you you know, we just ramble on for hours here. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you guys do. I mean, this is near and dear to my heart, too. For us, I'll leave you with this. We're always trying to preserve the knowledge that's Mm -hmm. slipping away. Um, To me, when I started a business, it was to to pay my bills, right? It was to pay the mortgage. And there is that element, too. But now it is, is there's a preservation part of it, especially in the Harley marketplace. So uh, what you guys are doing, what co-ops are doing, people sharing the knowledge and yeah. to give a crap to share it and, 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 and give it away um, is it, huge. And I, I really, I've been a fan of your guys for a while. And oh, I, thank you. Uh, I really, I, I know our uh, co-op uh, was here and, and I, I, it's gone, but I, every community should have one because that's the best way for all riders to get right. together. It doesn't really matter what the wheels and, are. Right. And Dennis, please stay in touch with the mystery. I will. Um, yeah. I fully expect to reach out to you within a year and maybe do a collaboration with yeah. some maintenance stuff, basic maintenance stuff. Sure. Or maybe something that isn't a Harley. Right. Maybe Absolutely. something English. How I about like that? Why not? Why not? We made a fake cafe racer out of a sportster. We can make a real one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, and I, I think. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I did have a '77 Triumph for 
a little while. I thought it was cool and could kick it. Oh, or, so you know all about yeah. bad electrics. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, in, I, in, in uh, odd carburetors. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nice. Um, you know, when whenever people ask me, I've been here now since 1994, and occasionally people will still ask me, well, how do you like America? Do you like Americans? And I say, <laughs> no. you know, every, yeah, wouldn't that be something if I say, no, you're all no. a bunch of bastards. No, wanker. I, I, always, I always say I love Americans. Everyone is so kind uh, to me, even the ones who bought English products. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mute you while you do that, Jim. No, and, and I think the the reason, too, that I um, I really connected with what you guys are doing is what we have in common uh, at the core is we are empowering people. Yes, absolutely. And that's really what it's about. It's empowering people through teaching, through guidance, um, uh, through just helping them. So absolutely. big, big thanks. And again, um Thank you. Go.fixmyhog.com slash misfits. Go get your $3 one year membership. And I'm even going to say, even if you don't ride a Harley, because a lot of this information is going to transfer over on how to do this basic stuff. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Just having videos to help you along is really great. Cool. So thank thank you, you. Dennis. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll be able to do it again. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. All right. All right. Good night. Thanks. Have a good Good night. Nice Vespas. (laughs) <laughs> thank you so uh, uh on on that note i, I gotta take off to you yeah you guys oh. have a good night Thanks all right see you me. doug yep oh see ya. jim that is not a knob <laughs> this is <laughs> the knob this is my old dr350 engine that is emma's artwork <laughs> that is miss emma's artwork by the way well no the only reason i wrote that was because you had done an oil change on your dr350 and forgotten to tighten up the bolt oh no can you see that piston look what you did to that piston that is a knob move what a complete knob yes (laughs) And did you like God? That's <laughs> okay, y'all. Simmer down. <clears throat> so oh, yeah. I wanted to uh talk about uh our next topic, which as I said, this is uh controversial, as Emma would say. And and everybody has their own opinions, but you know what? This is what we do. I want to talk about um and as a group, if we can come up with a list of the top 10 motorcycles or scooters and scooters of all time, Bagel, let's just clarify, whenever we say motorcycles, we also include scooters, which, okay. by the way, um, before we go into that, I do want to share, um, because Bagel, you don't know this, but um, I got myself in a little, uh, as I do, a little Facebook uh, battle uh, this week. <sighs> And um, I was referred to as a Karen a few oh, times. Really? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to Undes- share this with you. Undes- Who did you call the cops on? Well, here's the deal. Um, I like to stand up for the little guy, you know? And there's a lot of just bullying and bashing going on. Yes, oh, yeah. I am a basher myself. I love to bash Harley riders, but they're not the little guy, okay? <laughs> 
But here's what was posted on a motorcycle group. And I'm not going to say the group, but somebody posted uh, a thing that said, scooters are for men who want to ride motorcycles, but prefer to feel the wind on their vagina. That's horrible. Mm. Okay. I was like, this isn't sitting well with me. Mm-hmm. So I responded. I came out came out of the gate a little bit strong. I said, this is a bullshit statement. Uh, just trying to bully what you think is a lesser class. I know hardcore scooters that can ride the pants off of most. Respect yep. anything with two wheels. Now, there were also many other people saying, like, I've got a Harley and a scooter. Or, you know, what about all of Asia? You know, there were a lot of people jumping in. I did come in kind of hard, and somebody said, hey, it's just a joke. Actually, I think the poster said, it's just a joke. And I said, "Um, my bad. I forgot it's okay to be an asshole when when it's just a joke. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then uh, he responded with, who pissed in your cornflakes, Karen? That was the first one. And he responded, it was my airbox, not my cornflakes. And I responded with, ooh, got me where it hurts. Good one. No, I'm just somebody who stands up for the little guy, and there's no need to make fun of scooters. Plus, as a woman who has a scooter in her garage with her other seven bikes, I'm doubly insulted. But if you want to make fun of Harley riders, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) which then I was met with. So let me get this straight. When someone comments on something you have or like, it is being a bully or an asshole. If it's something you don't care about, it is fine. Little hypocritical Karen, if I've ever seen one. (laughs) So I got called Karen twice in that. Oh, not exactly what a Karen is, but okay. (laughs) I know. So I just want to let you know that I stood up for my scooter people's. Well, thank you. And took a bit of a beating. <laughs> now, I, I will. I will say that the aerodynamics of a scooter does give a a quite quite a breeze onto the crotch area, but <laughs> but I do not have a vagina, so <laughs> I, I don't know what that's like. Um, but yes, it can be quite cooling in in uh, in the summer breeze. I will say, if one does want to feel a breeze on their vagina, um. Ride without pants. I don't know if this <laughs> scooter is my first choice. I think I would go with something that you really have to spread your legs far, like a Harley. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. That would definitely uh, give you a good breeze, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. So let's That's go back to, marketing. though. I know. Good Harley's, Harley's good for the vagina. <laughs> good for the JJ. Okay, guys. I wanted to work on... Let's come up let's come up with a top ten motorcycles of all time. Do you think we can do it? Wow. Well, I think we can. Um, but in order, because time is quite a premium, we've only got 30 minutes, we need to get the ones out of the way that there's going to be no dispute over. So we'll count them off. Mm. And I'm going to start with the Honda Cub or the Passport, whichever you want to call it, because essentially this- it's the same bike. Does this include the Super Cub? All the Cub derivatives. All the Cubs, yes. I agree. Right. Yep. So, no dispute over that one. All right. CB750. I, I, I would agree with that. All right. Okay. So, we're Hunter agreeing Cubs. with the Cub. Yep. We're agreeing with the CB750. Agreed. Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone else? 
Well, the Cub, they've sold, yeah, what, 70 or 80 million Cubs? Oh, it's, I've sold everything. Else and in I mean, um, it makes yeah. production of the Model T and the, and the Volkswagen Bug put together. You know, it's an amazing thing. Um, right. How about um, Black Shadow? Does the Black Shadow make everybody's like top 10 list? No. No. Well, what are we are we what are we talking about lightning? technological? Well, here's the, the criteria we, we kind of came up with is there's I think three criteria. One is a popular bike, one is technologically advanced bike, and one is a historically significant bike. And I, so are we, we like, are we was one, one important distinction though, are we limiting this, these two to production bikes? No Good question. Because there's a, there's a lot of race bikes no. and one offs too. Right. Just no race bikes. <laughs> no, I like because to think of it as like motorcycle iconic motorcycles that may have made an impact on the industry. Right. And here's Maybe the thing. Something like that. There's a lot of top ten lists, and you can tweak that criteria, and it completely changes the list. And so that's why I wanted to just come up with ours using what our criteria is. Um, so Emma, you're saying no to the Black Shadow because to me that's Absol- techn- technologically advanced and historically significant. It's not that advanced. Okay. At the time, it wasn't. It's not- not even at this time. I mean, make okay. no mistake. It's, be- it's a beautiful motorcycle, and it's beautifully made, and it's beautifully engineered. But at the end of the day, it's a pushrod 1,000cc V-twin, and it ain't that technologically advanced. Mm. And there are a lot of great things about Vincent's. Mm-hmm. Gerdrolic forks. Gear primary drives, you know, the gear timing drive, just the way that the push rods operated and the reciprocating mass of the engine was just very, very lightweight. It was wonderful. There's also bloody awful designs. The brakes on a Vincent were terrible, no matter what they did. The clutch on a Vincent is virtually unrideable. You know, they've got this servo clutch. So it's not, it's not this, it's a very iconic motorbike, but it's also a deeply flawed motorbike. Okay. Um, in <clears throat> terms of, if it, did anyone here used to pay top trumps when they were young? You know, you'd have the little cards. Mm-mm. I don't know if you had this in America. It was a game well, called Top Trumps. Oh, that, oh, no, sorry. That was, I think like you Pokemon played that back in the 30s? <laughs> well, we played Lincoln Logs. It was, it was these cards, and it had the features of, there were ones for cars and one for motorcycles. And it had, like, top speed, and it would have oh, horsepower, yeah. and it would have whatever. And you'd kind of play against your friends, and you'd say, I call top speed, because you knew that you mm. were holding the card with the Laverda Jota on it, and the top speed was 153. Mm. And that was one of the top ones. So, and there were so many different factors, and the Black Shadow ticks a lot of boxes. It's very desirable. It's very well-engineered. It's very valuable. But at the end of the day... There are bikes that are a lot more pleasant to ride. Emma, I love you dearly. But we can't spend 10 minutes on every bike that doesn't make okay. the list. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, how about I'm going to, I'm going to, and anyone can nominate a bike. I'm going to nominate the BMW GS 1200. 
I think that the GS1200 was a huge part of the whole adventure thing. It was a great bike. It was a lot lighter than the 1150. They're now they're what 12 years old and they're still uh, holding up to a lot of the stuff that's coming out. Um, I think it changed, helped change the world. See, I would I, I would argue that it was the earlier GS, the 80s yeah. one that was that was the original that that created that whole process. I mean, and I'm kind of with John on that. Do you think the 1200 was sufficiently different to the 1150 to warrant that? Because I've got an 1150 in my garage yeah. right now, and it's a bloody marvelous. No, thing there's buy. a huge difference between the 1150 and the 1200. Uh, right. so the technology I, I, I changed. I'd agree with John too, though, because that was like the first GS model, right? I mean, that really yeah, brought it was that really brought BMW the whole segment the adventure thing. Yeah, so it was the first GS. I, I, would, I would go with the R80. So I think you're half right, Liza. I think the GS deserves it, but not necessarily focusing right. on that one. But I think I'm it's. It's still it's still in there though. It's still okay. in there. You know. Okay. Meaning there's still a lot of people riding them. Right. I'm going to throw my hat into the ring. Okay. And if Dennis is still listening, it's going to make him very happy. Ooh. And yeah. I nominate the Harley Davidson Evo. And I'll tell you why. Okay. In 1984, there was this massive shift. Mm-hmm that Harley-Davidson's went from being a motorcycle that you had to be an enthusiast to own to a motorcycle that anyone can own. Jim, only if you're going to share with everyone. Sorry about that. (laughs) And do not underestimate how massive that was because – Any Harley rider will tell you, and I hope Ricky's listening, the difference between a shovel head and an Evo is night and day. Absolute night and day. They're completely different animals. A shovel head's a fine bike to ride, but to maintain, you really need to be on the ball. The Evo just changed everything. And and I'll agree. Harley Davidson has always had these... Plateaus and leaps of technology and reliability and all of that, that completely changed the path that they're on at the time. So, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Bagel, what would do you want to submit for the top 10 of all time? Um, I would like to, for the the scooter world, mm-hmm. I would like to submit the Vespa Rally 200 as quite possibly the best scooter of all time. Um, Now it's, it's really difficult to give one best scooter of all time when there's, there's a a pretty big distinction between vintage and modern scooters. Um, Now the Vespa GTS 300, I think is probably a more capable scooter and probably more useful overall, but but there's something about a vintage Vespa that is just so much fun. And and the Rally 200 was really the <laughs> pinnacle of vintage Vespas. Um, it had the largest size engine that they, they'd ever produced. Uh, it's two-stroke, so it has all, comes with all two-stroke fun. Uh, it still has the old-school styling from the, the 60s era uh, that Vespa had before they went to more modern designs. Um, 
the uh, the P two hundred that came out in the late seventies was designed by by Bertoni and it has a lot of straight lines in in it, which a lot of people feel really detract from the aesthetic value of a Vespa. So so the rally still has all of its all of the curves uh, from the sixties <laughs> styling, and even better performance than the P two hundred, which was the model that followed it. Um, they uh, they they have just fantastic acceleration style um, handling. They've got the whole the whole package. So that's the model that I would I would say is is I would put forward as the best scooter of all time. Okay, I think that's a good one. Um, I wanted to throw in, and this is a toss up. I think you need to recognize the long distance riding and comfort. And I think the two biggest entries for this one and em help me out here i'm I'm between like the gold wing and the electroglide gold wing spider bike you think the gold wing made a bigger difference in like touring like yep yes I oh did. yeah all right yeah the gold wing was a huge difference not least you could buy a gold wing in 1975 in 1975, the Electroglide was still a shovel head. Mm-hmm. And as comfortable as it was, it was a product of the previous time. It was the product of the 60s and the 50s and the 40s. It was an evolution of that. The 75 Goldwing was new, 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 new. And the thing that's clever about the Goldwing is they've constantly updated it. Yeah. We forgot now. But in 1988, the impact the flat six Goldwing made was just amazing. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, would you say that that was one of the first bikes that you could reliably put 200,000 miles on? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So to me, that's a huge significant. Um, yeah. And even though, I mean, you know, whether you think of it as a tuna boat or not, they're quite agile. And when you get into the 1800s, in the early 2000s, the style of the 1800s is actually fresh enough that it holds up now. It's hard to believe the 1800s are getting on for 20 years old. But if you see an early 2018, especially in a good color like the candy orange, it looks like a modern bike. It's like bloody hell. Yeah. They're very, very clever bikes. Um, it's a big lump of plastic going down the road. I mean, it's an eight hundred pound bike, but they they just it's it's a very very good bike. And at okay. the end of the day, the electric light's very very nice, but it's still a big old thumping pushrod V twin. All right, uh, so there's no real comparison. Um, can I throw another one in? Hold on, because John raised okay. his hand first. Oh, John, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Um, so this could be a little controversial, but I'm going to throw out the uh, early 1970s Husqvarna's dirt bikes. Okay, um, this is something we were talking about at the garage, and you were not yeah, there, John. Jim I and I were talking there. about and would, this. And, and the John, John's stealing this my the, thunder. Mm-hmm. Sorry, brother. I would that's say right. there's sus- nothing to be sorry about. The suspension was light years ahead of other are, bikes. Are you talking about the Pentons? No, I'm talking about the Huskies. Yeah, okay, because like the, the 400 cross, yeah, okay, the 360 CRs and the 250s and all the motocross stuff, because they specifically suspension was incredibly better, and the the way they ported the two strokes gave it a lot of low end grunt that other that other bikes didn't have at the time. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that, trying to figure out which dirt bike. Jim, did you come up with some options? Because Husky yeah, was one was of the think- ones we talked about. <clears throat> 
I was thinking about it, and just to, to riff off what John said, as you go back to those early Huskies in the late 50s, early 60s, it really redefined motocross. I mean, mm-hmm. lightweight yeah, bikes, um, you know, less power, but lightweight, long travel forks. Yep. You know, in 59, you had Husqvarna winning motocross races on the new exactly. style bike. So those 250 Husqvarnas, I uh, echoed John on that. Mm-hmm. And to take it a step further and a little bit different slant, the 1970 Husqvarna 400 Cross. This is the bike Steve McQueen rode Mm -hmm. in on any Sunday, right? Which really did so much for motorcycling. I almost as much as the the Honda Cup, um, which would kind of be my first dirt bike choice because so many people did it. But yeah, Echo John, number two, I think for iconic dirt bikes is that 1970 Husqvarna 400. Because it it, it meant so many different things. I think the, the technology already was there in the early 60s, but... That really did so much for motorcycling. But we also have to consider the most winningest uh, motocross bike. That's number three on my list after yeah. the Cub and the Husky is the mm. like 86, 87 uh, uh, CR 250R, e. the Honda. Yeah, that, that so, motorcycle run a ton of races. So, Emma, what do you think between like a CR 250 and, and a Husky, what do you think is more significant? Belongs on this top 10 list. I'm kind of leaning towards the Huskies because there well, was this know, huge I mean, change from going from Harleys to like British bikes to then I, these bikes if, that were I mean, nimble. I was going to say, and that's the, that's the key point here. I mean, anything that significantly, significantly changes the industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Husky did exactly well, changed, that. Changed the Big sport. Time. Yeah. It changed yeah, the sport. It, yeah. Yeah. it changed the sport. And it's almost like the technology of the bike drove the sport mm-hmm. um and you haven't seen that much i mean really changed that basic formula since then i mean yeah you went from two stroke to four stroke you went from air right. cooled to liquid cooled but it's still kind of the same lightweight you know right it's, a lot it's of suspension less setup. Weight, more suspension blah 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 so yeah i mean okay i'll buy into that yeah okay no, i'm gonna throw I, out I, one more is that right. one more dirt bike is a game game changer Ooh, maybe okay. two but um, this is maybe the bike that really that, that started the, uh, the dual sporting. So uh, 1968 Yamaha DT1. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, you can take your, your street bike and yeah. go down the road and have a proper dirt bike as well. So I, 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 mean, I may be wrong. Fact check me. But I think that 68 DT1 was one of the first dual sport. Well, yeah, that, like the Elsinores, stuff like that. Um, there was uh, that quite that trend that of having a dual so. sport then. Um, yeah. Uh, they're my all la- out there, yeah. So I'll throw out my last one because yeah. um, I mean, like anybody, you could come up with a thousand mm-hmm. other of these, but I'll just throw out the Honda CRF 450 mm-hmm. because it, that was the bike, the first American one that a car rally on. Yeah. So I think that new Honda uh, 450 uh, is a cool, you know, iconic bike because you have an American Ricky Brabeck uh, win the Dakar for the first time ever. So anyway, that's kind of my rundown. And, on the, and, the, bike and the 450 is still changing the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. but I, I, I uh, but back to what John said. I think that BMW um, RS uh, R80. G, yeah, already. I mean, sorry, GS R80. I think that was a a huge thing for yep. BMW. It was, right but on. it it was um for the bike, but the trend had not kicked as big as it did with the GS1200, which is why I was going to the GS1200. And arguably, because of they were all big and... leaps, but <laughs> yeah, the trend happened then. Emma, you yes. you had a bike you wanted to throw in. Yeah, and I will, and it's kind of predictable. And I, I really feel I'm betraying my country because you're gonna, you're gonna go back. What, what about the Black Shadow? And I will compare it, and that is the Honda NR750. Mm, yeah. Now, 
about mm. six months ago, this made my list as the most beautiful bike in the world. And And so let's compare it to the Black Shadow. Okay. And why I'm voting for this and not the Black Shadow. And it's got nothing to do with the fact that I worked at Honda when it was new. So like the Black Shadow, it's very exclusive. Like the Black Shadow, it's very expensive. Like the Black Shadow, it's very, very well engineered. Like the Black Shadow, it's beautifully built. And like the Black Shadow, there are a lot of very innovative designs incorporated in the bike, like oval pistons, Mm -hmm. that really died with the model. The NR750 is 30 years old. How many bikes have there been since then with oval pistons? The Vincent Black Shadow, the last Black Shadows were around sort of like 53, 54. So they're now 60, 70 years old. Mm -hmm. How many bikes with the Gerdrolic Forks? How many bikes, you know, with, with all the innovations that Vincent had? So there were a lot. So they're kind of equal now. Like the Vincent, it's just crushingly handsome. But what about the R1? I mean, when you look at how but it changed on. things in MotoGP, what? But hang on. Here's the difference. Okay. The NR is just such a pleasant bike to ride. It's just, it's a gorgeous to ride. The it wasn't approachable for everybody and appriceable for everybody. So it didn't have the market yeah. impact, did it? That, I, well, but neither was the Vincent. But the thing is, it was Honda's ego trip. It was everything Honda knew about bikes and screw the expense. Back in 1991, they were 36,000 pounds in England. And I'm going to put that into perspective. In 1991, a Jaguar sedan was less money. A fully specked out Jag sedan was less money than an NR750. Yeah, I would argue that the Interceptor was was really the game changer. Well, the Interceptor incorporated a lot of the dumbed-down ideas, but with just the best motorcycles. And in terms of build quality, what it was, how it looked, just everything. To me, it's hard to beat. The absolute highlight of my motorcycling life has been riding an NR750. Yeah, but I think it's I'm going to argue because you can either say Mm -hmm. either the GPZ or the Interceptors, that huge leap that also created a trend that is still going today in sport bikes. I go back to the KZ1000 then for that. No, but no, because the GPZ was, the GPZs and the Interceptors were these sport bikes. Uh, Wrong bikes. The bike that changed it, and believe me, I was there, was the Jigsaw. There was bikes. Mm. Before was important. The Jigsaw 750. Yeah. And there were bikes after. That was the bike that changed everything. That is another Because good if one. you look at GPZ, All if right. you look at KZ Thousands, mm. you look at everything. And then in 1984, there's the Jigsaw. The Gen 1, the Slabbies. Was that the 600? What was this? Or was no, that the 750? 750. And then 750, the 1100. Okay. Yeah. The 1100 came out. The 750 came out, and our minds were blown. The 1100 came out, and our, my, our eyes just melted in the back of our heads. This performance, it changed everything. So, but Emma, 
if we want to have a sport bike that was at the forefront of the whole trend and that was part of that leap in technology, are we going to the NR750 or the Gixxer 750? No, the Gixxer in terms of... Okay. Yeah. I'm a, I would the agree. I, I agree with that. The yeah. only reason I included the NR is it is arguably the best motorcycle ever made. Okay. And I will I will stand up in the, in and argue that it is. However, if we're talking about impact, Gixxer 750 okay. all the way. I, I just agree. Just because of what it did for the industry. Okay. We need two more for the li- this list. And I don't have an answer to this, but I'm going to ask the question. What do you guys think is the gateway bike? Because there's got to be, I mean, there's so many bikes that are significant and maybe not technologically advanced or anything like that, but that brought so many people into riding. Rebel 250. The one you can afford. So, well, Rebel 250, um, (laughs) Trail 70. Emma, you were talking about the Hodaka, right? The Hodaka Ace 90s and 100s. There's so many people got their start on Hadaka. So what do you guys think so is the people. most common gateway? Because I'm thinking it might even be like a monkey bike. Maybe. You know? Well, like Some rup, that kids like had. For that matter, a mini bike. Right. Yeah. That's that what I'm saying. It was just like a straight up, yep. get, you know, uh, lawnmower powered mini bike. That well, was my, 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 yeah, mine was a Trail 70 as a kid. Yeah. What do you no, think? Well, as a kid, yeah, it's whatever a kid can ride. And That's truthfully... It might not be a single bike. It might be the Rupp mini bike. Ooh. You know, if your parents were well off, it might be the Hadaka brand new. It might be the old guy down the road who had the rusty Triumph Tiger Cub leaning against his shed that you right. got out of him for 10, 10 bucks, pulled the fenders off and rode around the field with your mates. I, I have an answer to suggest, and this is a broad answer. I'm going to say... Even though we already have the Cub on here, I'm going to say the Honda 70 because that means it could be the Trail 70. It means it could be the XR 70. It could be the ATC 70. The 70s, I think, That's were cool. the, the the gateway for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Emma, what was that little Honda you had in your, uh, in your shop the other day? Did oh, you have an XR? The- no, the uh, the yellow one. Yeah, that little Honda. Do you have a little Honda? Yeah, the yellow one. Oh, Jim. okay, that one. I, yeah. But, no, Jim, no. it was a question. The yellow one. No, not the yellow one at your shop. There was one at your house, a little kid's bike you were fixing up. I thought oh, it was a little Honda. yeah, the CRF50. Yeah, okay. So do you think... Yeah, they've been around for a little while. What do you guys think yeah. of saying any Honda 70? Because... XR70, the Trail 70, all these 70s. Is that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to say Honda right. 70. Okay. We have room for one more. So what do we, we got? We haven't talked about Triumphs at all, the twins. Well, well Bagel, what are you, you going to throw out? I, I was going to say <clears throat> there is one motorcycle that I think is iconic that really mm-hmm. belongs on the list, and that's the Indian 4. Mm. Because when whenever at least in my mind, when I think of a classic bike, mm-hmm. I think of that because there, there's nothing that quite captures the, the, the sleekness and the swoopiness and the art of a motorcycle, I think, than the Indian four. It's, it's just such a beautiful bike and I've never ridden one, but I've heard they're quite comfortable. So 
you know, and then they were very popular from what I from what I remember. So they were very I, expensive, but they, they, they were. They, they, I think they, that's a, a good bike to throw out. But it, I'm going to counter that and say the Harley Sportster. <laughs> yeah, but you got to go to the Triumph before the Sportster, though. No, you because the Sportster was was a response to the to the Triumphs. But the Sportster has been around for decades and decades and decades. But that parallel twin lasts forever. I mean, that'll never, even your Africa twin. Let's see. You know, All right. Got- so we got the, the Cub because it's the most common in the world. We got the CB750 because that was the first sport bike. We got the GS1200, the Adventure. We got the HD Evo, which is probably the best HD. We got the Vespa Rally 200 for the scooter. We got the Goldwing for long distance touring, the Husky dirt bike for motocross, the Gixxer 750 for sport, and Honda 70 is the gateway. So what is left? What are we missing? The Z1. What about the Z1? Well, the Z1, I mean, it. what did we say about the Z1 earlier? I mean, if you... If well, you we compared have, it to the CB750. But they're oh. very different animals. Exactly, I mean, but that's what we were talking more, about. It's a lot more charismatic I, than the CB750. So I know. why are we putting the CB750 on a pedestal? Because why, it's yeah. it's historically significant. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say for the last slot that we should consider the most buttworthy bike. The Britain. Britain. I was waiting for yeah. this. The Britain. The bike that yeah, everyone the wishes they could own or ride or just the, to fondle. Yeah. <laughs> the, the amount of drool that was spilled over that bike probably makes it worthy, I would think. And it's such a great story because – yeah. We we love an it's, underdog story, and we love the idea of an eccentric inventor building a bike and spanking the big boys. And it, it's a romantic I mean, story. It's, it's a beautiful bike. It was it made its mark. Um, so I think we have our list. I'm just going to review this. You got to put the Bonneville on there. You're killing me without the Bonneville. I, hold on. The Honda Cub. The Honda CB750, BMW GS1200, the Harley-Davidson Evo, the Vespa Rally 200, Honda Goldwing, Husky, dirt bike, Gixxer 750, the Honda 70, any of them, and a Britain V1000. What category is the Triumph Bonneville knock? What What does it knock off this list? The cool category. The Sportster. You know what? I'm going to say, sadly, that the Triumph Bonneville doesn't make the list because it is a good, solid bike, much like the KLR 650, much like so many of oh, the that's bikes. Blasphemy. You are killing me. No, 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 I can't do no, it. No, I'm it's, saying oh, good God. these are I mean, bikes that have so upset. that oh, function well. They do the job well. The and with the the Triumph, it looks good, and it's got some uh, you know historical significance, but. It's not great oh, at anything, yeah, but, but it's good at many things. It's I'm, not great. I hate to tell you this, John, as good as the Bonneville is, and they are lovely, it's where you draw the line. The Commando is a substantially better bike. No, but we're talking about bikes that, that sort of set the standard and change the industry. And the Bonneville but did. It, the Bonneville didn't, though, Mm-mm. because when the Bonneville came out as good as it was, there was the BSA Lightning. There was the Norton Atlas. There was the uh, Aerial Huntmaster. 
all fine bikes. And I'm not knocking the Bonneville. There's a special yeah. place in my heart for every single Bonneville that made it off the line. Every single one. I think there, there hasn't been a bike made since that looks like a Bonneville. Mm-hmm. I just think if you if you told someone to draw a picture of a classic bike, it would look a lot like a Bonneville. Yeah, because- like I said, it's a great bike and does many things well, but it's not a great. It's not great at anything. All right, I'm sending a, a protest to Phil at uh, Cleveland Motors. <laughs> no, I second, I second protest and because it, we're it, not talking about it being great at anything. Well, tell you we're what, I'll tell you what. Hold on, hold on. Wait, exactly wait, right, wait. Jeff. Everyone, calm down. One dog. second. Thank I'm going to say, let's throw this to the Cleveland Moto guys. Okay. Let's throw it to Phil and the gang and so say. Is it Bonneville versus something? No. It's Bonneville versus What's what? your top so what 10, we- guys? Oh, gotcha. And yeah. what would See, you just- take off or, you know, change that's on our list? I want to hear well, their we- top 10. And I don't know that we completely agree on the GS either. I think that Not was Liza's GS. I agree with your GS, John. Right, the eighty, the R eighty, the eighty. You see, mm. and I, I really <laughs> yeah. don't feel that the leap between the eleven fifty and the twelve hundred is that great. It was fifty it's pounds lighter. Right. Yeah, but and you, it's no, not it's essentially the same. Le- it's not a leap. It's mm. not a leap like the yeah. Evo is a leap from the shovel. It's an iteration. You know, and I tell you what, I've got a GS1150 in my garage right now, and God, it's a good bike. It really is. I mean, it's not like if the GS1150 was a sack of shit and the GS1200 was everything that it is, your argument would stand up, Liza. But I tell you Mm -hmm. what, that GS1150 is a bloody. Well, it'd be very interesting to look at the sales, which would tell us. Yeah, but that's only just a snapshot. Sure, but I'm saying um, the GS1200, there's so many more 1200s out there in the world than there are. I would be interested. I would be interested in who was involved in marketing at BMW right around that time. Yeah. I would put money. I know somebody. Long way around, come around. I know somebody who can help us. Right. I will. I will maybe send a message. I would put money that there was a huge change in direction of marketing, and the yeah. bike was pitched. Okay, in a very hold on. Way. I'm. I'm going to try and make a phone call. We'll see if if I get an answer. Um, you calling Sean? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not calling Sean. He is on the road. Uh, no, it's it's Monday morning in Germany right now. Hold She's on, let me just BMW see. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> let me see if I can get Hassle an answer. Um, well, it's eight o'clock, Liza. We're running out of time, dog. Hey there, how are you? Good, how you doing? Hey, um, we're recording our podcast right now, so you're <laughs> on with all the gang. Um, oh, hey, hey. And we're hey. having an argument right now that I thought you might be able to help settle. <laughs> We're yeah, and we're talking. We're making a list of the top ten best motorcycles of all time, and we're in an argument about which one of the GSs. We're agreeing that the BMW GS should be on that list as bikes that have made an impact on the world. And 
which one though? The GS that the R eighty, the hundred, the eleven fifty, the twelve hundred. Which one or do you think had the biggest yeah. impact on the industry in the world? Ooh. Um. Or which one's just the best? I'm gonna say the twelve hundred. Jocelyn, you heard it from Jocelyn Snow. You heard it from Jocelyn. Emma, she can't hear you. She can't hear you. She's not impartial or anything. Everyone is yelling at me right now. They're trying to argue, but I don't have her plugged in, so she can't hear you. So we're just going to end it and say thank you for that input, Jocelyn. No problem. That is exactly what I said. The GS twelve hundred was a far superior bike to the eleven fifty. And yeah. I believe or, had many more sales as well. And I think that that was kind of when, you know, uh, the long way around with you and McGregor came through. And, and the trend go. happened. Exactly. Crazy. Yeah. Thank you very much for saying right. that. <laughs> you guys have a good night. All right. Bye. Thanks, bye. <laughs> None of that would have happened without the GSR 80. Yes. But are we Amen, looking Jim. for are we looking for the biggest impact or the best bike though? Uh, I mean, whatever it, fits Lice's argument. Whatever hey, fits look, Lice's argument. Jocelyn Snow said the GS twelve hundred, so we're gonna end with that. I mean you um, wouldn't have the Perry Dakar without the GS. Hey, the hey, hey. Um <laughs> real quick, uh next weekend, the one show. John, yes. you're gonna come down and help Douglas uh, run the garage? Yeah. Thank yep. you so much. Douglas will be here to open at eleven. Um we're going to be going to the one show and um, they've really got this, uh, they've got it uh, tight how they're handling it. So they're selling tickets for just two hour blocks and bagel. You were looking at tickets. Uh, they're sold out of a lot of those blocks already, right? Uh, a few of them were, I haven't checked uh, lately. I was waiting to hear back, see if they can get a, I can get a press pass. I don't know if that's going to work out, but yeah, we'll, well we're working on that. Um, what, we wanted to do if there is anyone who's coming to the one show who would like to meet up with us. Well, of course they do. So can I take over for a moment? As, uh, you, 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 <laughs> um, so of course you want to meet the misfits. Why else would you want? You don't want to look at a load of custom bikes. You want to hang out with the misfits. Of course you do. So me and Liza, or should I say Liza came up with a plan and I think it's absolutely splendid. Um, what happens when you buy a ticket for the one show? You get a two-hour block. And rather than mill around looking for us, here's what we're going to do. Find a pink Honda Goldwing Turbo. It's not going to be hard. At the top <laughs> of the hour, at the top of the hour, either one or many misfits will be around the Goldwing. Yeah. So we get to meet our friends and we'll have some swag to give away and, you know, we'll do fun and games. Remember, I want to see Bagel's beard drawn <laughs> on your face mask. <laughs> Extra points for accuracy in color and texture. So um, top of the hour. So probably, you know, like 55 to 5, 10 after We'll all be hovering around the pink Goldwing. So you don't have to come looking for us. We'll be at my Goldwing, and then we can hang out then. Because I know if you only get two hours, it's going to go quickly. Yeah. So don't waste time looking for us. Figure out where the wing is. Be there at the top of the hour. Meet a misfit and get swag. There you go. Um, 
Also, just a reminder that the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival is happening and tickets are available. And just uh, to let people know, if, if it's not that clear, this is not a live event here. This is online. It's actually hosted on YouTube, but you still have to register, get passes. The first weekend is free. Or if you wanted the extended viewing pass, it's $10. And we just been adding on a bonus thing on uh, the second weekend of the festival. So with your extended viewing pass for $10, we're going to be doing a live Zoom interview with some of the filmmakers. Wow. Yes, where you get to do some Q&A. Wow, what a bargain. Oh, geez. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so there's a lot of great films there. One of the ones I just wanted to highlight tonight that I enjoyed, it's called 91. And this one is One Hour of Stress, summarized in eight minutes. And this is, uh, Emma, you might be able to pronounce this better. There's a, a, a 24-hour endurance race in France, Boldiar. Boldiar? Boldor. 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 That means golden bold styling. And the thing that I enjoyed about this is there's no dialogue, there's no subtitles. It's not really a story so much as... They uh, went with this one crew and filmed the chaos in the pit in a 24-hour endurance race and just captured all that tension. So you don't even have to know what's going on. But when you see them like bringing bikes in and doing all the swaps and then somebody crashed and they got to fix it and get it out and and they just captured that tension. I I really enjoyed that. That's Um, interesting. So yeah, so that one is called 91. And uh, you can go to Rev Sisters, R-E-V, RevSisters.com and get your passes there to the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. We have time for one email before Emma. Uh, I have an announcement too, real quick. Oh yes, go ahead. This might be a little silly, but um, my my son's girlfriend came and helped me work on my truck yesterday. I had a bunch of stuff to do, mm-hmm. and she is absolutely, positively in love with Emma. So <laughs> that please shout out to me on the podcast and tell Emma that I love her. Oh. Good Yay. Lord. Well, I love her too, darling. And I I just love everybody, but I would love to meet her. What what is it? What are the name what is the name Sophia. of this delightful? Sophia. Sophia, darling. I love you too. All right, we got time for one email, and this one is and from Skelly loves you too. Yes, I love you too, Sophia. We got a hey Bagel, can you make a note to start reminding Emma to take her pills before the podcast? Thank you. Um This one is from Joel Martin, and he says, Dearest Emma, I've been resto modeling, resto, wait, I've been resto modding, because we covered that whole thing on our show, Mm. a 67 Bonneville, there you go, shout out, John. Mm. Oh, that's a very nice year. What are your thoughts on electronic ignition and replacing the whole wiring harness and putting LED lights in a stronger headlight? Thanks for the time, darling. Miss Fit from upstate New York. Um, so yes, gosh. Um, so on electronic a 67, um, yeah. yes, electronic emissions on a 67 Triumph, blimey, yes, that's definitely a great upgrade. Um, avoid the cheap ones, buy the decent ones. My favorite ignition is made in New Zealand and it's called a Pazon, and they're very good indeed. So buy yourself a Pazon. What have you got there, darling? Finish, finish, finish. Um, you know, as far as 
electrics go. Really, the sky's the limit on them. It's only a two-phase alternator on your bike, and the and the alternators are very good. They'll chuck out a lot of current. Emma, can just for the sake of time, can I answer this one? Yes. When it comes to uh, vintage British electronics and upgrading them, the answer is always yes. Yes. I don't disagree, Absolutely. actually. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Just remember, yes. darling, your triumph is positive Earth. Ooh, which yes. I think is a great analogy for the world we inhabit because <laughs> we like a positive Earth. We don't like a negative Earth. It's <laughs> why Lucas is the Prince of Darkness. That's so right. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just um, sharing. Oh, go ahead. Yes, so thank you, Joel. I hope that gives you the answer. Um, yes. I, can I state something, please? Yes. Why do us Brits drink warm beer? Why? Because they're Lucas refrigerators. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just showing off here my toy that came this week. <gasps> that is awesome. From oh, California Creations. Yeah, the limited edition. edition. It smells like bananas. <laughs> <laughs> limited sensitive. edition all black evil Knievel toy that will never come out of the box I wow. know you didn't fart Jim because you didn't say the word soiled no not spoil I said soiled soil soil that's what it I was. was I was tempted but they, they, there's a, they were asking a pretty price for that one how much is it yeah $70 yeah I think so 70 bucks well you know um hmm. And we like it. It looks good. It comes in yeah. a cool box and it's got new it? ball bearings and everything. That's cool. <laughs> um, it's cool. So, all ball bearings these days. Yeah, it's all, all, ball, ball, all balls. All balls. <laughs> oh, which reminds me. Oh, can I just share the thing I learned about balls? Oh, good yeah. God. Okay. <clears throat> so, there's a new name for them that makes so much sense. I'm now calling them Wonkas. Wonkas? Yeah, really Wonkas. Wonka? Well, because they're right between the the Willy and the Chocolate Factory. Ah. <laughs> Why do I do this? Why do I, do I do this? That's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i know i laughed at that one myself um, <laughs> i know i'll have to email uh phil and ask them to to go over our top 10 lists and see if they can help us out but of course if you would like to critique or if you want to come to john's defense and and not and put it the bonneville on there pants. Um, I already heard that. <laughs> oh, they're soiled. I, I soiled. I, I'm reminded of a film that was doing the rounds in England back in the 70s called Willy Wanker and his Ch and his chocolate box. What <laughs> <laughs> a children's oh, film. <laughs> oh, no. It was right up there with bangers and gash. Okay. Send your complaints to Phil at Cleveland. Send your complaints to Phil at clevelandmoto.com. If you would like to add or or tweak or share your opinion on what bikes belong in the top 10 bikes of all time you can send an email to recycle motorcycle garage at gmail.com and tell 
And tell Liza that John was right, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Karen, I think we're ready Karen. to wrap. I'm excited about one show and uh, seeing how this goes. So um, looking yeah. forward to people coming and looking for us there. Don't forget, you got to go up to Bagel and say, Kiss the Ginger, 25 cents, just like Emma does. Yeah, blimey, hey. <laughs> Kiss a ginger, 25 cents. That's right. And we will give you things. Things yeah. of value. Yeah. Well, they're value they're valuable to us anyway. And if you bring uh, if you bring your own airbox, Emma would be glad to piss in it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and um you've got a rodent problem. I'll give you three hundred dollars for it, and I'm doing you a favor. There you go. Um, and just a reminder again, uh, big thanks to uh, FixMyHog.com and Dennis for coming on and sharing it. I think it's so cool that he's been doing it so long. Um, you know, I said I, when I was doing some research, I found his MySpace page, which cool. gave me a clue how long he's been doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's such a great thing um, that they're making it easier for people to fix their own bikes. So go dot FixMyHog.com dot com slash misfits and get your three dollar subscription for a year that is crazy um three dollars i know so big thanks to everyone uh especially our patreon listeners you know who you are emma we got some more ask miss emma people this week oh did we oh god i need to check that yeah no 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 not questions but people on patreon i got some of those ten dollar slots so that's great and uh, i think we're ready to get out of here thanks again everyone this is karen there you go Ah, Emma Darling! Vote for Bonnevilles. This is John. Thank you, Jim. And we are out of here. Cool, cool. Cool. cool.